Thank you for joining Resurrection Lutheran Church this Sunday morning, giving praise with us for God's blessings of music, prayer, and scripture. I, Pastor Karen Perkins, will be sharing a message of grace, forgiveness, and hope. All of the worship leaders welcome you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now it's time for our children's message. Now, I use children today loose terms because this started as the sermon until Pastor Karen uh, rescued me and sent me a sermon to use because I would, I'm not very good at writing long sermons. <sighs> can, every t- uh, can everyone take a moment and think of a show or a movie that you've seen and how it depicted heaven? Our ideas of heaven often create a place that is personalized to each individual, created by the person, like in the movie What Dreams May Come, or like an individual room, which the show Supernatural had, um, or like an I- or idealistic to just one group, like all dogs go to heaven. They had their own heaven. Today's gospel begins by Jesus saying that he will prepare a place for each of us. But as the text continues, we can see that our place is not an isolated room of our own giant heavenly mansion. Jesus's words are less about a place and more a relationship. Our relationship with Jesus and God the Father. They tell us that in Jesus we know all we need to know about God. Just as we can have a relationship with another human person, we can also have a relationship with God that will one day be as real and obvious as our relationships with one another. The hope of one day being with Christ fully and forever is as real as the works we are called to do in his name. This text allows us the opportunity to think about what is ultimately unknowable, yet also a central part of our faith what heaven will be like. Amen. And we rise for the gospel. is to be arrested, Jesus shares final words with his disciples as the one through whom God is known. He promises to go before them and act on their behalf. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it, is, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Pastor Karen uh, very generously edited down a sermon that was written by Martin Luther um, that fits for today, and that is what I'll be reading. Sermons on the Gospel of St. John, chapters 14 through 16, translated by Martin H. Bertram, Dr. Martin H. Bertram, Martin Luther's Exposition of the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapters of the Gospel of St. John. These sermons were delivered in the years of 1537 and 1538. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Here, you see, in the first place, how heartfully and faithfully the Lord looks after his dear disciples. How concerned he is about them, lest they remain disconsolate. In this very night, as he often had, as he had often foretold, suffering and the cross were to separate him from them. When he was to leave them behind amid great peril, fear, and terror. Up to this time, they had always felt secure, assured, and unafraid because of Christ's personal presence. They had been eyewitnesses when he proved himself mighty before the people with sermons and signs. As a result, they had to respect him. Even the chief priests and the elders had cause to worry that the whole nation might rise in revolt against them if they had laid hands on him. Therefore, the apostles went their way free of care and fear, though they were poor and insignificant people, assuming rather that the others had reason to be afraid of them. They reasoned, so long as this man lives, we have no cause for worry, for he can easily protect and save us. It was this belief that made St. Peter such a courageous and intrepid man that he volunteered and ventured to go into death with Christ, though all, others, all other disciples denied him. 
Mark chapter 14. He even began to suit his actions to his words. For when the Jews wanted to seize Christ, Peter at once went to his defense by wielding a sword. The large armed mob that had come to them did not intimidate him. In brief, so long as the disciples had Christ with them, they had no reason to worry about anything and would no doubt have remained safe from everybody. But as Christ now apprises them of his impending departure, he shows them and foretells that from now on they will fare far differently, that their hearts will be assailed by fear and trembling. And thus it happened that when Christ was gone after being executed so disgracefully, pitifully, and wickedly, their courage forsook them. In fear, they shut themselves up and hid. They did not venture into the open, for this was too great and too terrible a humiliation. This same Christ who had previously had frightened and terrified all the counselors and priests in Jerusalem had now become so feeble, so deserted as to fall into the hands of his enemies, who treated him most terribly and put and most shamefully put him to death. This is no longer the Christ that raised the dead, chased the buyers and sellers out of the temple, and performed miracles that startled everybody. Now he is as weak and despised as the most wretched and miserable man on earth. Everybody treads him underfoot, and the lowliest spit on him. This was a far cry from the former glorious figure. His beloved disciples, who were still weak in their faith, and until now had experienced no, not such blows, had to fear and tremble. Oh, what will become of us now? He was our comfort and our stay. Now he is gone, and we no longer have anyone to protect or help us. Our enemies are now strong and mighty, but we are weak and forsaken by all the world. As a good and faithful Lord, Christ anticipates such fear and anxiety. He comforts his disciples and urges them not to despair, but to stand firm. He begins by telling them what they will and must encounter, so that when it happens, they may recall that he had told them in advance and had admonished them not to worry. First of all, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. It is as if he were saying, my dear disciples, I know very well what your lot will be after I depart from you and leave you alone. Sheer terror and fear will overwhelm you. The, spectable, the spectacles of my fate will fill you with trepidation. Your hearts will melt within you and you will scarcely know where to turn. I'm telling you this before it happens to keep you from growing faint-hearted. Be bold and prepare for the struggle that lies ahead. When this time comes, then think of my admonition, lest you soon lose heart and despair. Thus Christ, as one well aware of the situation they were to face, wants to fortify and preserve them. Though they would experience terror and anxiety, they would nonetheless sustain themselves and all the more easily endure the trials. For much depends on the preparation of the heart. 
though misfortune and terror come stalking along, these are more easily faced when, known, when one knows of a refuge or has someone who will speak or recall a consoling word. Christ gives them this sermon beforehand, both to inform them of future terrors and to comfort them, so that they may later recall his words and thus sustain themselves. To be sure, this comfort did not help at the moment, nor was it effective until the appearance of the Holy Spirit. No, when Christ was gone, all was lost. They had no heart or courage, and not one of them could stand his ground against a frail maid. In that hour, all Christ's words and works fell by the wayside, and this comfort was entirely forgotten. Thus Christ admonished and consoled his beloved disciples here as men who sorely needed consolation. But these words were not recorded, not for their sake, but for ours that we might learn to apply this comfort to both present and future need. Every Christian, when baptized and dedicated to Christ, may and must accept and expect encounters with terror and anxiety, which will make his heart afraid and dejected, whether these feelings arise from one or from many enemies and adversaries. For a Christian has an exceedingly large number of enemies if he wants to remain loyal to his Lord. The world and the devil daily and wait to deprive him of life and limb. Furthermore, his own flesh, reason, and conscience plague him constantly. As a result, his heart trembles with fear. But these weighty reasons for fear and trepidation go unheeded, as long as they are not present. Thus, the Jews were not at all afraid and concerned when Christ wept over them and foretold that the city of Jerusalem would be so thoroughly destroyed that not one stone would remain on the other, Luke 19.44. Thus, we too suppose that as long as we are not sorely pressed, as long as the devil does not plague us and the sin does not gnaw at us, there is no danger. Secure and cheerful, we do not believe that we shall require consolation. But then we should know and consider that terror will surely follow, either from the world in the form of animosity and persecution, or from the devil himself, who shoots his cruel poison darts and spears of dejection, despair, or blasphemy into your heart. Therefore, if you want to be a Christian like the apostles and all the saints, arm yourself and be assured that the hour will come when your heart will be terrified and despondent. This has been said to all Christians, that they may learn to accustom themselves quickly and put their affairs in order. If they are secure now, they must realize that matters will soon change. This should be their attitude. May it last as long as it pleases God. Today happy and cheerful, tomorrow sad. Today alive, tomorrow dead. Today good fortune and security. Tomorrow every kind of distress. And do not keep snoring away as though no trouble is coming. The world is so mad and stupid and so blind and impotent, that it thinks there is a little good fortune now, and all is well. Things will go on like this forever. It is so engrossed in its good fortune, it cannot imagine that misfortune will ever strike. 
It lives as though the devil and every kind of grief no longer existed. But later, when anxiety and trouble suddenly befall the world, then it is immediately laid low. And heart and courage are gone. Then it is found completely despondent and despairing, as though comfort and hope would never return. In brief, as long as peace reigns and the world supposes times will never change, and it does not ponder how it would adapt itself to any such change. No, it assumes that conditions will always remain the same. Moreover, when the weather changes, when sickness follows, after days of health and war and misfortune after peace, famine after times of plenty, there is no end to its lamentations, to its fear and despair. But that is not the Christian way. The Christian should always ponder, if peace and tranquility reign today, it will be different tomorrow. The devil can soon shoot a dart into my heart, or some other affliction can befall me. Therefore, I must see to it that when sorrows appear, I am prepared to weather the storm and draw comfort from God's word. Therefore, this consolation must also address itself to us. We must impress it on our hearts use it, and strengthen ourselves with it when we feel grief and anxiety. At such times, we must hear Christ speaking these words to us. What are you doing? You surely will not be scared to death and quail because of this. Be of good cheer and take heart. Even the devil, the world, or your own conscious plague and frighten you. And even if you do not feel my presence, do you not recall that I foretold this long ago? and left this comfort with you to strengthen and to preserve you? Thus, you see, we should learn to accustom ourselves to apply this consolation of our Lord Christ by daily practice amid all of our temptations, lest these words be related and recorded for us in vain. From these and similar words and admonitions of Christ, we should also learn to know the Lord Christ aright, to develop a more cordial and comforting confidence in him, to pay more regard to his word than to anything else which may comfort our eyes, ears, and other senses. For if I am a Christian and hold to him, I always know that he is talking to me. And here and elsewhere, I learn that all his words are intended to comfort me. Yes, that all he says does and thinks is nothing but friendly and consoling words and works. Therefore, is it, it is undoubtedly true that mourning and faint and fearful heart do not come from Christ, for he is not one to intimidate hearts and make them sad and despondent. He came, labored, and ascended into heaven to banish sadness and fear from the hearts, from the heart, and to bestow instead a cheerful heart, conscience, and mind. To this end, he promised to send his disciples and the Christians, the Holy Spirit, whom he calls the Comforter. Through him, Christ wants to fortify and keep his disciples after his physical departure from them. Therefore, let us learn this lesson well. No matter what misfortune befalls us, pestilence, war, famine, poverty, persecution, melancholy, thoughts which deject us and make the heart ponder and flounder, we must know and conclude that this does not come from Christ. 
We must be on our guard against the devil who can pose and masquerade in the form and in the name of Christ. You say, well, does not Christ himself often frighten and threaten us in the gospel? For example, when he says in Matthew 4, 17, repent, or in Luke 3, 13, 5, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Why, these are Christ's own words, and a faint and sudden conscience must constantly worry lest they pertain to it. It must declare, say what you will, Christ himself makes this statement. Who can ignore it? I reply, this is why I said that we must become skilled artists and learn to distinguish well between Christ's rebukes and his threats, and know where to apply his words. Now, if one would learn to differentiate, then each side would be fairly treated. Christ would comfort those whom the devil wants to frighten and dishearten, and on the other hand, he would intimidate those who the devil makes smug and presumptuous. After all, these two always contended against each other. What the devil ruins and destroys, Christ must build up and restore. And what the devil establishes, Christ must destroy. As we read in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. This, you see, is what Christ wants to inculcate here when he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. As if he said, I am about to die and vanish from your sight. I leave you behind in the world where you, may, where you will not see or hear me. All that you will see, hear, and feel will be distress and misfortune of many kinds to frighten and perplex you on every hand. But do not let this make your hearts distraught or cowardly. Balance these words of mine, bidding you be of good cheer and courage against all this. It will not be I who frightens and grieves you. No, such sufferings afflict you conclude immediately that this is the devil's fantasy and delusion. The voice by which you are to recognize me as a sheep recognizes their true shepherd is the voice that says, be unafraid and undaunted. These are my words and thoughts. If you hear anything else, you are not hearing my voice, even though it is presented to you in my name and form. Do not believe or follow it. Therefore, let anyone who would be a Christian inscribe and keep these words in his heart. Knowing what awaits the Christian, Christ anticipates it here and exhorts him not to abandon his faith and his confidence, no matter if terror and distress befall on this account. Christ spoke these words beforehand and left them to us that you may know and remember what he demands of you, namely, that you be unafraid and look to him for help to come and rescue you. This now follows. United in the hope and joy of the resurrection, let us pray for the church, the world, and all in need. God of life, strengthen your church to proclaim your gospel even in times of trouble. As we remember Stephen, we give thanks for diaconal ministry. Bless all deacons and strengthen them for their bridge building ministry between church and world. Hear us, O God. Mercy is great. Creating God, you show your steadfast love through mighty waters, towering mountains, 
verdant fields and acrid deserts. Protect the Earth's diverse habitats from the forces of pollution, erosion, extinction, and global warming. Hear us, O God. Is great. Mighty God, your spirit guides us into all truth. Give wisdom to world and local leaders and organizations as they begin, build, or renew relationships. Strengthen leaders and aid organizations in areas needing to be rebuilt following conflict, unrest, or natural disaster, especially in those areas we send Lutheran world relief. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Loving God, you make your home among us. Abide with refugees, those experiencing homelessness, those fleeing war and poverty, and all who question if there is a home in your heart. We pray for all who are sick. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Assuring God, you accompany your people amid uncertainty and change. Uphold people in this community who have recently moved, changed jobs or schools, retired, or are going through transitions of any kind. Lead us in your ways. Hear us, O God. Mercy is great. Renewing God, you gather the saints at your heavenly banquet. We give you thanks for the care shown us by those who have gone before us. Grant confidence and comfort for all awaiting the place you have prepared. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Rejoicing in the victory of Christ's resurrection, we lift our prayers and praise to you, almighty and eternal God, through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Amen. This is the part of our service where we lift up our gifts to God. We offer ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Members, of course, are encouraged to give our regular tithes and offerings through an assigned number, and we have regular vehicles for doing that. You're invited to go to our website and use PayPal or one of the other donate buttons that we have on the website. You can make a special offering to the RLC on KINY ministry, which helps keep this on the air, or to the RLC food pantry, or to Juno Live, which helps with community outreach. You're also more than welcome to come by in person or make a food donation. We encourage people also to be involved with the community and appreciate volunteers. All of these things are gathered together in song and prayer. Generous God, in this meal you offer your very self. We give thanks for these gifts of the earth. In the breaking of this bread, reveal to us the risen one. In the pouring of this wine, pour us out in service to the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. To join together in the mission statement. The mission of Resurrection Lutheran Church 
is to promote spiritual growth in Christ and service to all people. And before we get to the blessing, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's kept me on track today. <laughs> it takes all of us to make this work. So thank you to everybody who helped. The God of all who raised Jesus from the dead, bless you by the power of the Holy Spirit to live in the new creation. Amen. And we sing. This has been an abridged worship service of Resurrection Lutheran Church. You are welcome to join us for worship in person on Sunday mornings at 930. We are located at 740 West 10th Street in downtown Juneau. Our phone number is 586-2380. More information about our location, parking lot, current COVID policy, and other contact information is available on our website at rlcjuno.org. The website is also the best way to learn about what events are happening with the community outreach ministry, Juno Live. With a vital food pantry, bell choir, quilting group, Bible study, and others, there may be a ministry here just for you. Come and see. <laughs>